because, you know, in healthcare especially, my job is to take care of patients. My job isn't IT, and how I do that, it just looks a little different than what a nurse does or a physician does. But ultimately, that's where it all, you know, gets down to. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Welcome to our recurring series, A Day in the Life. In this series, we sit down with a CIO who has spent the majority of their career in a specific vertical. Together, we explore some of the challenges, opportunities, and trends. We ask their why. Why do they do what they do? What are the rewards? In this episode, we're going to talk to Michael Mover. Michael is on his second stint as CIO of Riverview Health, a healthcare system with hospitals and urgent care facilities throughout Hamilton County, Indiana. He has seen a lot of change during his 18 years in healthcare IT, and I can't wait to talk to him about it. So welcome to Status Go, Michael. Thank you, Jeff. Well, I, I want to dive right in, but I'd, I'd love to, to have you spend a little bit of time talking about your journey. I know you started uh, in the consulting world uh, with some of the larger firms, uh, and then talk to us about that and then how you ended up uh, going into healthcare IT and staying there for your career. Sure. My journey started a little unusual. Uh, some friends and I uh, decided to move down to Florida and uh, back in uh, about 86, 87. And after that, you know, I was hanging out and decided to join the military. So I went into the army. I joined up, served four years in the military. Um, and I got out and my older brother, Harvey, was wanting me to go work in computers and he was selling computers everywhere. And he yep. was, yeah, you know. I, I bought some computers from Harvey. <laughs> and so I, uh, you know, I, I, I was doing some other jobs. And so I took him up on that and I was not good at selling computers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but I was pretty good at working with them. And, you know, these are the, this is 92, the early days of, mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, technology and networking and personal computers. And so I got into Novell and started working on that. I worked on some Windows NT projects. Um, and then in, uh, you know, about 94, I ended up working for Deloitte. Mm -hmm. uh, and I started out in kind of administration, uh, kind of helping with uh, maintain their systems. Uh, about six months into it, I went to one of the partners and said, you know, I'm kind of bored. I, you know, we fixed everything, right? You guys hired yeah. me and you had all these problems. We fixed them all. What's next? And so they brought me into the consulting group. I hired my replacement shortly thereafter. Um, and uh, so I, I just got that passion for consulting. Um, you know, started to have kids, wanted to be home more, not travel as much. So worked for some uh, regional firms here in town. A lot of people might know Whitman Hart, which became mm -hmm. March 1st. And and then, um, you know, after that, Avicity, which then became, got acquired by uh, Steve Hilbert with Haverstick Consulting. Uh, and then in 04, I took a CTO position here at Riverview. Um, 
And through most of this, interestingly enough, I didn't have an undergraduate degree. Mm-hmm. Um, so in uh, in the late 90s, I went and finally completed my, my undergrad and uh, my bachelor's degree. And then when I joined Riverview, I signed up for an MBA program and completed my MBA. But I was very late in life to getting mm-hmm. that advanced education. Um, I spent eight years here at Riverview, took a job down in uh, Nashville, Tennessee to be the chief technology officer for St. Thomas Health. Um, spent about seven years there, um, then went to a company called Horizon Health, which does healthcare in prisons and jails all across the country. Um, mm. I spent three years there, and uh, then this position came open again, and I got a text message from the chief nursing officer asking if I might have interest. <laughs> and I was like, you know, timing is everything. Yes, and, uh, yes. It was just great timing, and, uh, and now I'm really excited to be back. Well, it says a lot about the the previous tenure that you had that they they uh, were interested in having you back. So I, I got to ask, when you left the the consulting space, did you have experience in the healthcare vertical when you when you went to Riverview the first time? I had done a number of projects in healthcare. Um, it, I wouldn't say I, I was, I wouldn't even guess that I was an expert, but I had done, uh, you know, work for St. Vincent's, uh, some revenue cycle optimization work. I'd done some work down at Wishart at the time for uh, implementing a, uh, a patient uh, or a, a portal. Uh, that was a big thing back in the 90s, mm-hmm. <laughs> your yep. internal yep. portals. And, you know, some different types of work inside of the healthcare industry. But I was not by any stretch a healthcare expert. Um, Riverview was at a point where it really needed a technology expert okay. more than a healthcare expert, yeah. and so that made it, you know timing and opportunity right was that is everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and now you've spent eighteen years in the vertical, so now I'd say uh, I'd say you're an expert in healthcare IT uh, after eighteen years in there. Would would you kind of agree? You know, I wish I knew as much today as I thought I did 18 years ago, because <laughs> I thought I was brilliant back then. And today I just am amazed at how little I sometimes know. But well, uh... <laughs> maybe that's a great that's a great step. Just knowing what you don't know. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk. Let's talk a day in the life. I always feel like a, a game show host. Uh, Michael Mover, this is your life. But but uh, let's talk about a day in the life of being a CIO for a healthcare system like like a Riverview, what's it what's it like? So you know, it's it's varied as you can imagine. Um, you know the challenges and the things that you do go from very global strategic type discussions. You know this morning we had our executive team meeting that we have on a weekly basis, and we're really discussing you know what are the one or two major initiatives we need to all get behind and and you know problems we solve that are not technology problems, they're operational problems, Mm -hmm. but they're going to have a technology piece to them and technology needs to be there to support it. To getting into the very detailed weeds around you know, one particular technology stack that we have to replace by, you know, the end of August, we've got something that we have to make a decision to stay or mm-hmm. to leave. And, and it's just come up and we got to make a decision on, you know, individual technology solutions of, you know, is that something, what do we want to do with it? Um, yeah. You know, you also get very involved 
uh, in solving, you know, in escalating problems. Uh, and, and, you know, you're kind of an escalation point in, in yeah. many cases. Um, and normally the teams take great care of everybody, but, you know, in, I always try to help people understand, you know, in a healthcare organization, you know, in a traditional manufacturing world, which I spent a lot of time in when I was in consulting, you know, you've got a set of VPs, right? And, and those VPs, you know, are, are the chiefs. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a limited number of them. And in healthcare, you have your same set of VPs, but you also have a whole set of physicians and physician right. leadership. And, you know, they really, they are driving the organization mm -hmm. just like any VP would in any other company, uh, but they may not even be employed by you. So it creates a interesting dynamic because we need them to drive the organization, right? Everything yeah. you do in, inside of healthcare, you always try to keep a quality lens on everything that you're doing. So, you know, how is, when you're making decisions, Unlike if I'm making widgets and how can I make 10 more widgets an hour, um, I'm really focused on, yes, I want to be able to make 10 more widgets an hour, but I need to be able to make those 10 widgets an hour with a, you know, with, with five nines or better of quality. Mm -hmm. yep. Um because I cannot, you know, everyone, every time we make a, we miss, you know, there's a person at the end of that miss. And yeah. so we take that very, very seriously all the time. Well, so it sounds like you, you have gotten to the point where you are involved in a lot of, we'll call them business discussions that may not have anything to do with technology per se, but always technology is kind of in that background. So what are some of the, what are some of the challenges uh, that you've seen uh, that maybe you've overcome uh, uh, in in your career, but what are some of the challenges facing healthcare IT professionals? You know, obviously, security, data security, is such a critical issue that uh, that we've all been facing. And I think one of the things a lot of us probably didn't do as well as we could have is look at all of that Internet of Things um, type of of stack and make sure that those were as secured as we could. Um, mm -hmm. you know, several years ago, we had WannaCry rampant within oh, yeah. you know, healthcare. And I mean, many hospitals literally shut their doors uh, to patients uh, you know, due to that. And it's, it's complicated because you know, we have these, you know, we have a stress test machine attached to a treadmill and there's a Windows 7 computer attached to it. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, nobody was thinking about that Windows 7 computer back in those days. And so now, you know, we're thinking very, very hard about those. Or you have a laser, you know, I mean, I remember we had a Windows 95 laser that we just literally could not recover the laser. We had to go, you know, spend $100,000 to buy a new laser and, you know, because it was just unrecoverable. It was a, you know, 15-year-old laser, but it worked just fine. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we get so involved in these, in everything. I was just, in fact, having a conversation uh, with some friends over at Blue Sky, and they, you know, was explaining to them how we're involved in almost every purchasing decision. If it mm -hmm. plugs in, 
we're involved in it. And sometimes even if it's not, now I, my favorite example now is there are bedpans out there that actually <laughs> notify you when they've been used. And so you, you know, the idea that I would actually have a say in which bed pans yes. we purchased <laughs> never occurred to me. Okay. I bet. Uh, I bet. That's not something you think about. It, it is, it is not. And yet you've got to start looking everywhere mm -hmm. uh, for these because, you know, the, you're only as strong as your weak, weakest link. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, as we know in this industry, I mean, there are bad actors all over the place. We've seen it at several hospitals in the, you know, the greater Indianapolis area, uh, you know, that have had ransomware attacks. Yeah. And, and these things are, are really, really serious. And we take it very, very seriously trying to, uh, you know, protect our patients' information as well as protect, uh, you know, our ability to actually be able to serve, you know, Hamilton County, which is what we're here to do. Well, and that, that's going to be a huge part of your day. You mentioned you mentioned cybersecurity uh, and protecting patient data. That has to be at the top of mind all day, every day in healthcare. So it is. When, yeah. when you think about that aspect of it, what what things have you done without giving away any secret sauce or anything like that? But what things have you done that have kind of moved the needle in your mind? Uh, in protecting patient data? You know, the there's a handful of things out there. One, there are public-private partnerships, things like InfraGuard, which are extremely valuable. I would recommend to any, any kind of CIO that's out there that's got any kind of, you know, large-scale infrastructure, get involved with InfraGuard. Um, they will add value and they will help you think differently about some of these things. You know, there are, you know, and then the other thing is, you know, educating, educating the, the, your, your customers, educating, you know, the staff, helping them understand that it's not, you know, this isn't an IT problem. This is, this is all of our responsibility. Um, we cannot make up for, you know, bad behavior. And so starting to kind of change the discussion from, you know, when I send out the, the, the phishing attacks here locally, which, you know, mm -hmm. we do on a regular basis, we self-test all the time and people, you know, pop on us, trying to take that from it's IT beating up on you to, hey, it's your department manager having yeah. the conversation and we're not asking you to do this because we just want to pick on you. We're asking you to do this because we need your help in protecting, you know, the information and the environment. Yeah. I mean, it, it's great if you can form that, that partnership, if you will, with the, with the other people in the, in the facility, in the, in the healthcare system that, that you're really in this together as, uh, I heard somebody say the other day, I was talking with a CEO of a, of a technology company that caters to the healthcare industry, uh, and he, he described it as being the custodian of the patient's data. And if you can form that partnership, that goes a long way. And, and to me, that sounds so much better than IT being the department of no. Right. 
Yeah. So the other thing, the other challenge, and I think we touched on this uh, a, a couple weeks ago, uh, Michael, when we talked, is is the concept of shadow IT. Is that a challenge in the healthcare industry? Yeah, I think it's always a challenge. I think in probably any industry, um, in healthcare, it gets a little bit unique in that you have certain areas, uh, you know, maybe radiology, where you have PAC systems, you know, picture archiving and capture systems that you know are taking your radiology images, your CTs, your MRIs, all that good stuff. And it is a very unique skill set, and there is a there's a uh, crossover point between the operational piece of imaging as to the IT piece. And where that crossover point is, is I pull that image in, and then I have to have somebody review that image to make sure that it was taken properly, that it's mm -hmm. set properly, that it's the right patient, and I have the right accession numbers, and all these little pieces to it. Um, and that's kind of a crossover point that you often get. And you try to figure out where does that skill belong? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and what I've always said to people is, you know, the only reason we bring somebody into IT rather than let them stay in the department is if they're not following good standard procedures, right? They're not following my change control processes. Mm -hmm. They're not following the, the, you know, the notifications and doing backups and they're not fully engaging us because they don't get to, nobody in this world gets to make decisions all on their own. I think that's the thing a lot of people don't understand you know, it, it doesn't matter if you're the CEO or the CIO or, or even, you know, the, the president of the board, nobody gets to make these decisions all by themselves anymore. Yeah. And um, everything is so interconnected. Yeah, no good. I guess I should say no good leaders make those decisions yeah. all by themselves, <laughs> right? And so, yeah, yeah. And, and so it's, what you try to, what you've got to do is you got to make sure that that's understood. And if you have that type of relationship, it can go really, really well because what you end up getting is somebody who's in imaging, sits in the imaging department, completely understands those radiologists' workflow and those radiology technologists' workflows and the scheduling and every aspect of it. And they're your conduit to IT. Yeah. And so in some ways it can become more of a super user than a shadow IT, mm -hmm. um, you know, at its, at its best place. Um, but they're not buying servers. They're not implementing servers. You know, they're not buying new software without getting everybody else uh, that needs to be involved. And that certainly happens sometimes, but uh, it's, if you if you are if you keep your door open, I think, mm -hmm. and you say this is how we want to bring you in, and this is how we want to work with you, and we're not the department of no. I think yeah. that's a, you know yeah. that is a great example. You know, so often I hear that about CIOs, and you know, I had one uh, chief medical officer say that to me that you know you're it's so refreshing working with you, Mike, because when my last CIO, everything was no. <laughs> you know, and, and, and and you guys just never you you tell me how we can do it and what we can do and i go well you tell me the problem you got and we love solving problems right yeah, and that's yeah. that's uh that's it in a nutshell is give us a problem to solve and, and we're gonna go we're gonna solve it 
Well, and I think the other aspect that I, that that I've learned ab- about you is you you mentioned leaving the door open, uh, and the visualization of that was uh, uh, the CIO sitting in their office, right? But you're not. You're out. You're out in the facilities, right? Uh, and and I think uh, you also encourage your team to do that. What's your reasoning behind that? I think you know. Presence is such a big deal, and in uh, in healthcare, you know, it is such a personal relationship that our nurses and our physicians have with our patients, um, and they kind of expect to have that same personal relationship. I think not only with hmm. IT but with finance and operations, and so I can't have that personal relationship, or it doesn't feel great. If I'm sitting in my office all the time, if I'm yeah. not, you've got to meet them where they are. Um, and you know, I, look, there is nobody who loves remote working and and <laughs> setting things up for success. I mean, you know, ten years ago, I had my most of my folks would work two to three days a week from home. Yeah, I, it's perfect. It's great. We should. There's no good reason not to do it. And I, you know, and I was, you know, I, I'll say it here because I'm no longer working for the company. I was literally violating our corporate policy by letting <laughs> folks do that because I just thought it was insane that I was going to tell these people they had to be in the office five days a week. But I do need them in the office at least a couple of days a week because I need them to be out there walking the floors and mm-hmm. talking to people and. You know, sometimes, look, we we always fear the shoulder taps in IT because that's how people get around the help desk and all that stuff. But those shoulder taps show a sense of trust and community. And when I, and so when I need you and when we're doing an upgrade or, or when we have a major problem, you know, all of a sudden we've built that capital and we've built that trust because you you saw me there and I was responsive and we were, you know, working with you to try to solve this problem that often wasn't of our making, but, you know, we're, we're trying to solve it anyway. So, so you are doing a hybrid work environment like many, many organizations are migrating to right now. Um, but I think you've been very clear that you're doing it. This is not about managing productivity. This no. is, you need that relationship, right? It, exactly. It's all about the relationship. I, it, look, if I can't, if I am having problems managing productivity, that is a, that is a leadership problem. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I will go to my grave saying that, uh, you know, product manage productivity management is a leadership problem. And if I have, if I am having that, if I have people that we've hired that we have to worry about that, I probably hired the wrong person. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, this, IT is a professional industry. We we expect to hire professionals, you know, who are highly experienced, highly trained. They they know their technologies. Yes, they're at all different levels of of training and capability. But we're looking to hire professionals and professionals don't, I don't hire people so I can tell them what to do. I hire people so they can tell me what they should be doing. Yeah, I, lo- I, I love that. And the other thing that, that you said uh, in, in that, uh, Michael, is that as, as people are out building those relationships, the, the doctors and the nurses have such a personal relationship with their patients 
they expect to have that with, we'll call it their support team, right? The, 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 yeah. the back office team. And, and I've never heard it quite said that way before. I, I, I loved that concept about that personal relationship. You know, it raises a, a question for me, uh, is does Riverview use telehealth? Is that something that is now part of the Riverview system? We do. Um, and some of our patients absolutely love it. And some of our patients don't. Some of our, you know, some of them mm-hmm. really want to have, they want to be in the, in that physician's office and be face to face. And mm-hmm. as great as our telehealth technologies are, I, there's still a time and a place for having those face to face meetings. And you end up chatting on things that you might not always do on a telehealth, you know, a televisit where it's a little bit more down to business. Um, You know, from a dollars and cents perspective, sure, we love to get down to business. Mm -hmm. But from a patient experience and a personal satisfaction level, you know, we want you to, we want you to have a relationship with your physician because, because mm-hmm. then when he tells you, you know, you need to be taking your meds or, <laughs> you know, you, you, you do need to go get this test or you need to get vaccinated. You're going to listen to it because you have built that personal relationship with them. Yeah. Foundation of trust, right? It is. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and, and I would assume that the, the doctors and the nurses also feel similarly about the the telehealth is that yeah they like the tool but they also want that personal that personal relationship uh, so maybe a hybrid of that I think we all do I mean I think we're very you know we are social beings and you know we need to have that personal connection with folks um, and it's it it really is critical um, and, you know, just like when your, you know, your doctor gets to tell you, you know, hey, don't eat so much, which I, I do hear occasionally. Um, <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah, they, they uh, you know, when your IT guy tells you, hey, you know, you really need to pay attention to those emails that you got and not mm. click on that link from a person that you don't know from an email you didn't expect, right? Mm-hmm. You need to pay yeah. a little closer attention you'll you'll respect it a little bit more because you've got that personal relationship yeah. and you know i th- i think if there's one thing i've learned in you know in my years in the industry and in my years as a professional it's it's there is no substitute for that personal relationship you yeah. have to have it absolutely well i'm i'm going to ask you to get out your crystal ball here in just a second but before i i, I do that i want to ask you What's your why? I know you get paid to do what you do, but why why healthcare and why 18, 18 plus years? What what are you getting out of it, Michael? You know, I I am I, I often call myself a technology optimist. Um, I I really do believe that technology has the ability to fundamentally make the human experience better that, you know, we can make you more talented, smarter, faster, you know, more accurate, all of these things. And I would say I've probably spent the last 18 years chasing that goal Mm -hmm. of how do I just make things better? Um, I often, 
have gone into organizations. I said it here at Riverview the first time I was here. I said it at St. Thomas. You know, I want to I want to make this organization the best place to be. And I don't care if you're a physician, a nurse, a empl staff employee, or a patient or a visitor. I want to be the I want to make this the best it can be um, to give you the best experience when you're here. And and I do think. You know, there there is a role from a technology perspective in every mm -hmm. single one of those experiences. I I, I love that. The, just the the personal reward from making it the the best place that it can be. All right. So I warned you, crystal ball time. Uh, what's what's on the horizon? What what things are you looking at as a uh, CIO of a of a healthcare system? you know, the buzz, digital transformation and all that, but what are you seeing out there on the, in the future? Yeah, we're certainly focused around all of our analytics, right? Everybody, data is the new oil. We all get mm -hmm. that. We all know it. We just don't know how what, what kind of car oil is going to power yet. Mm -hmm. um, and some organizations are getting faster to figuring that out than others. Uh, I think what we're going to see is, you know, that's going to end up being a big delimitator between, you know, the successful organizations and those that are, you know, stagnating is how do you leverage those, that information that we have and that, that we've, uh, that we've got at our fingertips. That's kind of the easy one. I think as we really start to look at, you know, five, seven, 10 years out, I mean, you know, as you look at some of the things around whether it's self-driving automobiles and how some of that works, how does that actually start to look when we get into, you know, healthcare systems, right? Hmm. When I'm cleaning floors and cleaning rooms and doing terminal cleanings and those types of things, uh, as I'm moving meds around, as I'm doing some of the generic work within an organization, you know, how does some of that type of uh, intelligence work in a much more localized mm -hmm. fashion? And and where does some of that fit in? I don't think we've figured some of that out yet. Um, you know, I think some of the work around, you know, the uh, obviously the Internet of Things and, and mm -hmm. the, you know, the democratization of technology based on that and the fact that, you know, everything is providing you feedback and data. Um, you know, I just installed, I, I just bought a new home and I installed the Ecobee uh, home thermostat mm -hmm. and I've got several, you know, little sensors all around my house telling me what temperature it is in different rooms so that I can adjust, you know, my thermostat for that. Well, that, yes, it's going to save me some money and that's great, but why did I do it? Not for the 20 bucks a year it's going to save me, but it's going to hopefully make my house, you know, more evenly cooled or more right, evenly heated. Right. I'm not going to have hot areas and cold areas. Well, you know, my house is, you know, a few thousand square feet. You know, you've got a hundred thousand square feet under a roof in a hospital. So being mm -hmm. able to start to, uh, you know, do some of those types of things and use some of the automation technologies to really be able to move the needle uh, and make, again, make people's jobs easier, right? Because yep. people are amazing. And if you give them an opportunity to go do things and you get some of that, the little annoyances, right? The, the root, the 
routine work out of their way, I have often found they will surprise the heck out of you on yeah. how much they can do and accomplish. Um, and, and it's everybody in the organization. This isn't a technology issue again. You know, it's not even just a nursing or a physician issue. This is finance and, and facilities and HR and housekeeping. You know, this is everybody has, you know, so much potential in them that I think our opportunity is to unleash some of that potential, potential. by getting rid of some of the things that are just routine work. Yeah. I love that. Un unleash the potential. Well, Michael, as you know, here on Status Go, we are all about action. It's kind of in our name. So what are one or two things that our listeners should do tomorrow because they listen to our conversation today? You know, I think as I think about that for a second, you know, as I think about what should you be doing right now, I would say if you're not doing it, create those personal relationships, go talk to somebody, go work with people, have lunch with them, have a, you know, whatever it is who are not in your department, right? Go, go start to understand how your organization works um, and really, really get deep into that. Um, it's interesting. I, one of the folks that worked for me, yeah, used to always complain that I would, in a, in a positive way, he said, you know, I've never had a boss that, you know, asks me the questions you do. And I, I'll never forget one of the first questions I asked him. He was over my imaging group, actually. I said, you know, what's it cost us to do a radiology study? He goes, I have no idea. I go, well, you know what? That's probably a piece of information we should know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a couple years later, we started to go figure that out. Um, but really getting to understand, you know, your business and whether it's HR or finance or nursing or lab or radiology, or if you're in manufacturing, whether it's distribution or out on the, get out on the floor, you know, get out of your office, get out on the floor and talk to some of these people, because you know what? They are brilliant and they all will provide you insights that you never, ever imagined. And, and it is rare that I find somebody, if I find somebody I can't learn something from, usually I think the problem's probably me, not them. <laughs> um, it, just, you know, be have your, have your cup empty, be willing to learn from these folks that are out there. And I think, you know, if you can do that, all of a sudden, you know, you will, one, you'll be, I think you'll be happier, mm -hmm. right? Uh, it's, it's a whole lot easier to work for a company that you understand, you know, and you're not just a cog in the wheel. You're not yeah. just, you know, pushing a broom. Um, you, you know, you're part of the company. And then two, you'll be way more effective. You'll start mm -hmm. to understand why, you, you know, you're doing what you're doing. And I think that helps, you know, I think especially the people who have been more seasoned in their career, you know, we want people to sit, to understand the organization and understand the backdrop of what you're, what you're here for. Yeah. And I think that that's so important because, you know, in healthcare, especially, you know, you ask anybody here and their answer should be, my job is to take care of patients. Yeah. My job isn't IT. You know, my job is to take care of patients. 
And how I do that, it just looks a little different than what a nurse does or a physician yeah. does. My job is to support them so that they can take care of their patients. But ultimately, that's where it all you know gets down to. That is that is great advice. Get out and build those relationships. Uh, be open. I, I love the the image of having your cup empty and be ready to fill be filled with knowledge uh, as you're out walking around and talking with people. Michael, I got to thank you for carving out time. I know you're in the midst of your relocation back to uh, back to the Indy area, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. So thank you. Well, thank you. It's certainly been my pleasure. To our listeners, if you have a question or want to learn more, visit intervision.com. The show notes will provide links and contact information. This is Jeff Tan for Michael Mover. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find InterVision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.